Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. It's pretty clear that uh, we should have Joel on more often because he does have things like knowledge and information. <laughs> we do. So we should get more of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was saying that I feel kind of protective of Joel. Joel was kind of worried. He said he didn't think that he said, well, I just read what he wrote me. He said, thanks for the invite. There's a hundred things that I would say differently, but hopefully it comes across well. He has no idea. How well it sounded. Joel. He was so good. Wait, I have a message. He I also, have a message for Joel. Dear yes. President. Joel, dear President, uh, a man who has, for whatever reason, been with us since pretty much the beginning of this show, we'll call it. We're calling it a, a show with, with as much contempt as I can use the word show. Always supportive. Always very positive. He's taken you off of our hands for a few times, which has been awesome. Sent us, <laughs> sent us, sent us gifts, and 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 been on the Indeed. show. And and honestly, Joel, like it's it's surprising you didn't just start your own show <laughs> and do this because you're just you're just good at it. You're just when you good at it. When you outline it like that, all of the things that he's done, the fact that he's followed us, it really makes me question whether Joel should get a CAT scan and a psychiatric evaluation because that's not normal. That's not normal. Typical doctor well, trying to, to overtest. <laughs> so to support Mel in his theory, Joel also texted me, and I quote, Tom was way more professional sounding too. I think he definitely needs a high-level psychiatric evaluation. Way more yes, professional sounding than you two, or way more professional sounding than typical. <laughs> like, how? What do I read into that? What do I read? What into? you read is that he was surprised that you could string two or three words together without editing. <laughs> However, he listens to the show a lot. I think what he was referring to is again, and I will refer to back at the beginning of this conversation where I, I just bring it. I bring it, Robert. I know I don't want how to, put, to ask the questions. Yeah. I know right. how to bolt my way through the answers of certain questions. Yeah, but you know, I think I don't want to speak for Joel, but I'm going to. I think what he meant was that his expectation was with all of the production crew that Talking Tesla employs around the world that they must be heavily redacting and augmenting your speech. And he was surprised to know that it was actually you. My speech specifically? <laughs> well, he doesn't, he doesn't think that of me. I've actually sat, you know, across multiple dinners with him and, 
at launches. And, you know, we've had, you know, unedited conversations, but maybe he was worried that you couldn't, you know, so. Just saying. Well, the other thing was I sent him a link to the mic that Mel sent me. And he's, I think, planning to take you up on your offer to come back on the show because he's getting one of these microphones and he was all excited that the newest version Mm -hmm. has a cough. Yeah. Do you think, are you worried at all, Robert, (laughs) that like he actually knows how to use the microphone and push the record button? Like, are are you at all concerned about that aspect of this? You mean like he'll be able to do it better than I? No, I didn't say I'm worried about that all the time. Better than you, Robert. I said he'll be able to actually do it. (laughs) (laughs) you know it's been two weeks i've missed you guys of course you have there's a lot of stuff that's happened since i've seen you well let's get into this ridiculous thing so can we start okay let's start the show mel some people like to hear you say that ridiculousness that you like to stay at the beginning of shows so so go ahead and and do it um, I don't even remember what I say. Look, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of the Talking Tesla universe, it's time for another show. It's a series of shows. You've got your Talking Tesla. Mm-hmm. You've got your Elon Today. Do you? And uh, you've got, uh, you know, all the things that are part of the universe. Occasional live uh, show. Mm-hmm. Occasionally we do a video here and there and mm-hmm. chuck it up on the interweb. That's right. I mean, it's a series of shows. It's a series of shows. And let's first talk about, I don't know why we do this, but... Um, version updates so what are you guys packing in terms of your version have you seen any changes in your autopilot what's going on thomas take it away so i'm rocking 2020.36.11 on the old model 3 and what i have what what i have noticed about uh 2020.36.11 is that uh it's very similar to the last one uh except for one weird thing that I've sort of noticed, and, and, and you can probably, you guys maybe have this experience, just so you get in the car, and the car makes assumptions, right? It makes assumptions about where you might be going. So you get on the freeway, and it, it could be assuming that you're going to some place you've gone a hundred times before, let's say, and you're on the freeway, and you don't, you don't turn it off because you know where you're going. You know you're not going there. You know you don't see it. You're just ignoring the navigation. And you put your car in autopilot and you drive it down the freeway. And all of a sudden, the car, you're in the area where the car thinks you're trying to go. <laughs> and and the car just slows down to like get over and, and get off the freeway and... And I wish it wouldn't do that because it's it's very disconcerting. Now, I know it's not the car's fault in this particular instance because I haven't turned off Navigate by Autopilot. So I, I take responsibility for my actions, but I'm not a smart man. And I feel like other people might be running into the same type of situation. But otherwise, the car works wonderfully. So let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. You have your car in Autopilot. Correct. And... You're going to, let's say, Dodger Stadium, but the car thinks you're going to work. Correct. And the car takes you the wrong way. Doesn't necessarily take me the wrong way, but let me give you a better example. Let's say my I have my house. 
and then I have Dodger Stadium. And in between Dodger Stadium is a place that I might go to very often, maybe to grab a taco here and there. Who knows what the what this is? But that's the place the car thinks I'm going, even though I'm going past that place to Dodger Stadium. So I'm driving down the freeway in autopilot bliss at 65 miles an hour because that's the posted speed limit in the area that I live in. And all of a sudden, the car jams down to 50 miles an hour and because it's like you're getting to where you need to get you need to get off you haven't turned off navigate by autopilot it's just uh, you said you wanted to go here but i didn't say i wanted to go there you assumed i wanted to go there tesla you assumed and you know what you what happens when you assume robert it makes an ass of a few of us that's correct but maybe it's the next generation of autopilot, which it's AI. So it's just saying like, no, there's fish tacos there. They're delicious. Mm. You need to go there. I know what you were planning, mm-hmm. but don't be ridiculous. <laughs> go get your fish tacos. That's true. It could be like you feel like you need some sustenance and you need a fish taco, which honestly, most of the time I actually do need a fish taco. So that's pretty true. Pretty true. So I've got uh, in the Model Y uh, 36.3, couple of little updates recently, oh, nothing major. Mine. but That's it, behind me. Yeah, I know, you're a bitter. But uh, i got to say, it's been working fantastic. I uh, did a couple of fairly long drives on the freeway. and mm-hmm. It's pretty solid again. Um, not so much slamming on the brakes as it uh, often does. Uh, I'm excited about the new stack. Is that what they call it? They're redoing the stack. We should get the stack in about a month or so. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about the stack. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but Elon says that. Mm. Robert probably knows. You know who really knows? Joel. Joel probably knows what it is. Robert, it's pretty clear that Joel's going to become part of this program because we just need him. Robert, who are you saying? Robert, is we're on Zoom. We're on a Zoom call right now for all the people who know that we're doing radio. And, and Robert is making hand signals and and pointing at his ears and and whispering things and 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 since i can potentially read his lips he's either saying i love you or i can't hear you and i'm not sure which one of those things it is and i'm hoping it's i can't hear you but secretly i know it's i love you it could be both I love that I can't hear you. <laughs> it, could, it could be that. Which one of us can't you hear, Robert? Oh, that would be both of us, clearly. So mm-hmm. so he's having what we would call in the business technical difficulties. Hey Joel. Hey Joel, are you out there? Is your is your mic working now? Like could you We could we could use you right now, buddy. Coming <laughs> up here. 180 shows with Robert and still working on getting his microphone and technology working that's great yeah joel hey hey buddy how you doing you know what this is like this is like when you have a rocket ship and you're going to put up satellites and two seconds before it's about to launch something goes wrong and then it happens again and then it happens again and then it happens again yeah yeah we know we know it went out buddy we're aware you should fix that. He just held up a post-it note that says, my you know audio went out with a sad face. And yet, instead of instead of actually just, I don't know, fixing it, doing something about it, restarting a thing, he's just going to send us notes from the 18th century. <laughs> <laughs> 
But this is also analogous to the rocket that doesn't go up. You know what Elon did this week? He's like, uh-huh. they've had, they had like four times they tried to fire this satellite, yeah. uh, this rocket to put uh, some more uh, Starlinks up there. Four times. And now mm-hmm. he's just pissed off. He's like, I'm coming down there to show you how to do it. Um, is it is it being and, scrubbed because of a lack of Elon or is it being scrubbed because of weather? Uh, well, it was once was weather and once was some sensor problem. Um, and then there was the other rocket that didn't go up. He's just kind of pissed off. Yeah. This is basically what's happening. I wonder, just like, I wonder what that's like. I, I wonder what that's like if you're like sitting in Cape Canaveral, minding your own business, trying to try desperately with your genius team of hundreds of engineers, trying desperately to get a rocket launch, a thing that you've done many, many times at this point, including getting rockets landed like you've done all of that and 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 all of a sudden the the big i don't know what sliding glass doors open something opens and and one elon musk runs in maybe maybe he even drives right onto the floor like in his tesla model s or plaid version with like beta autopilot software and 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 then he just starts yammering at you in his south african accent like saying things like, but why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? You know, I could do this. Do you think that's how it goes down, Elvis? What's going on here? This is ridiculous. Why don't those clouds go away? Clouds go away. And then the clouds, they do go away because he has that kind of power. <laughs> so I'm just saying that he would be very difficult to work for because he's going to come in there and he's going to be like, I'm not God, but I'm almost there. So please get the rocket up or I'm going to whack you upside the head. I mean, this whole thing has been worth it just for your South African accent. Just, I mean, it's, it has been so long since you've insulted an entire country with your accent that is just, just on the edge of the guy from Die Antwood and groundskeeper Willie, who is actually Scottish and not South African. <laughs> I got this accent from uh, that Mel Gibson movie back in the day with Danny Glover, and uh, the uh-huh. bad guy was uh, Afrikaans. Uh-huh. And uh, so I've, uh, that's where I picked it up. Yeah. And so you'll find that it has not changed in the 25 years <laughs> yeah. since that movie came out. You might want to put it I'm down. I'm just saying. So should we let's – let's talk about that email because – Robert's never coming back, clearly, to this conversation. But let's talk about that email post-battery day conversation with one Joel Sapp. So somebody astutely, or maybe unastutely, sent us an email, sent you an email, about the size of the battery and all of the other things that go along with the new battery situation. And if you could... And, and, and what I gathered was this. This battery is five to six times bigger in size than the current battery, something in that ballpark. And Elon was claiming that the battery was five or six times more powerful. This person who sent us the email was like, well, that doesn't necessarily make it more powerful because it's five times bigger. It should be five times more powerful. Please explain what is going on. I don't. Uh, do you have that email? I can't find it. Oh, I sent you know it to what? you guys, I and I can't set, find it. I set this thing up perfectly, and then nothing. I know. Okay, I can't. I, I'm, I don't know I'm where forwarding it, is. it back to you. Yes, it was sent to you on September 23rd, 
And you got a message. I just want to read it because I don't understand it. Okay, I'm gonna. Do you want me to read it to you, or do you want me to forward it back to you? Is that what you want? Why me? don't you read it in your best Afrikaans accent? No, I'm not gonna do that. That's definitely okay. not gonna happen. But I will. I just forward it to you. So the message came from Azor Glub at uh, some email situation. <laughs> we won't. We won't give away all of his information. And it was. The 4680 is 5.5 times bigger than a 2170 volume in volume. Uh, the volume of the 2170 being 24,232 cubic millimeters versus 132,885 cubic millimeters. If the energy is supposed to be five times the energy of the 217, yet it's five and a half times bigger. So it will be interesting to see how that will allow for a bigger range when technically it holds less energy per cubic millimeter. Hmm. Dot, dot, dot. So this, um, I've not heard anybody else uh, say that. And everybody, even, um, what's his name? Sandy, Sandy. Monroe. Monroe has said that, yeah, they're going to be able to make the battery pack smaller or have 30% more energy in them. Um, so I don't understand this. He's basically saying that in the same volume, it's actually got less energy. But there's something missing here, so this is very interesting. But I need to uh, have somebody else explain because everybody else says, no, no, significantly more energy in that volume. Right. So Joel responded several in several ways. Like he responded via email. And I'm going to try to see if we can get to the bottom of it, even though clearly I don't understand it and you did not read it. So, do you want me to do Joel and us an African no, accent? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Okay. I definitely don't want you to do that anymore. No. Okay. So Scottish so, accent? No. So Joel, Australian. Start, yeah, yeah. Do do Australian. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be perfect. Crikey, mate! <laughs> let me tell you what's going on. No, here. you you actually are Australian. You don't have to do oh, Australian. Oh, your your accent okay. is actually Australian, right off the okay. bat, without even trying. Okay. Go okay. On. Read away. Fine. So Joel says. He's right. The energy of the cell should scale with size. In the presentation, Drew and Elon said the new cells had a 14% improvement in energy density because of wasted space in the smaller 2170 can. And that wasted space is the tab, right? That is like the tab at the top of the battery. It's, is it the tab plus also that the, they have to wrap each 2170 and there's much less of the steel sort of wrapping around each cell? You've got a bigger cell. Sure. You've got uh, more stuff. Right. But Go the, on. But the guy, and then he says, you, you're right that there is a five times higher energy difference, but as you have described, it's 5.48 times bigger. Uh, one reason could be the wasted height by their new manufacturing process. I don't understand what that means uh they're using a spindle to roll the jelly roll again i get what that means there's no tab the whole thing is a big giant contact situation the battery there's a picture of a battery in a in on electric's website that's very large a very big battery doesn't look anything like a double a battery which is sort of what the 2170 kind of was analogous to so i don't really understand like it is it five times bigger? Does it take up more space? Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, I'm really struggling with, if it is five times bigger and five times more powerful, then it's not any more powerful because it's bigger. It, or it doesn't translate to more because it takes up the same amount of space as five cells. 
Yeah, but that's this is what I'm just struggling with. Is nobody else is saying this. Everybody else is saying yeah, right. it's got significantly more energy per unit volume. So what you're saying is you don't know. That, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I know Sandy Munro's smart. And I know he was excited. Okay. And he was more than more than excited. He was over the moon. Mm-hmm. But now we've got Robert, who actually knows some things, maybe not as much as the president, but Robert's coming back here. So here we are. We're He's on. back. He's back. So, Robert, let me summarize what just happened. We read the email that said, from the person who said, um, you know, you've got the 2170, and then you've got this bigger battery, and in the same volume, you've actually got less energy, not more energy. What's going on here? Do you have an explanation? Because I don't understand, because nobody else is reporting this situation. I think what, uh, and I don't have the email in front of me, but I think that uh, that was the email I just that was forwarded sent to Joel. it to you. No, it was, a, it was an Great. email sent to Melvis, and he forwarded it oh, to right. Joel. Oh, right, he sent it to And Joel right. answered it in what is clearly a level of intelligence that just escapes us. Nice. I think that the, <clears throat> the reason is that they're talking about dead space at the top and the bottom of the cell with the new cell construction, right? We talked about the jelly roll, the long rolled up bit of aluminum. And uh, I think it might be copper is got the, the goo on it and they roll it all up. And now they have tabs all along the entire jelly roll. Well, that all that takes more space up. And they're talking about there being more space in the actual column of the battery being dedicated to the connectors. And that tiny bit, even though it seems tiny, is actually responsible for this, I don't know, 5% or whatever the number was. And that seemed to explain it away. And uh, and also, I believe there's there was mention of how they're rolling up the jelly roll, I like that reference, even though I don't eat jelly rolls, but that they actually leave a spindle down the middle, which I think makes the process of creating the battery faster, which would mean cheaper, so they don't have to like extract anything. They just kind of chop it off. That part stays inside, but that's a little bit of extra space that the battery does not so are they saying a 5% higher energy density in an equivalent amount of space? They're not, I think that's maybe where the confusion is right there. We're thinking it's 5% cell over cell, but it's really 5% in an equivalent amount of space, right? We're not comparing apples to apples, right? So, but the, but does that mean, or it's not 5%, five times, not 5%, sorry, five times more. And that's where right. it gets confusing, right? And so it it's a, it, at some point it says a 5X higher density, but only 16% increase in range. So like there's some, you know, why does one thing that's five times more energy only translate to less than what, 12 or around 12 or 13%? Yeah, I think on this spreadsheet that uh, I think Joel created, Mm -hmm. comparing the 2170 to the 4680 cell, the 4680 being the new fat boy Mm -hmm. cell, uh, it's supposed to, if if apples were apples and the jelly roll portion of the battery that's responsible for all of the storage, if that was the entire battery, corner to corner, edge to Mm -hmm. edge, then it should have... 548% 
of the energy storage, but it doesn't. And they're showing that the amount of space that's dedicated to the waste, the, the, he called it the tabless waste space. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if anybody's going to adapt that, adopt that mm -hmm. term, is responsible for this difference so that it brings it down to just a five-fold uh, increase in battery storage Well, capacity. here's another question, right? So the email that we got from Azor Glub, or whatever, however you pronounce that word that's spelled Azor Glub, <laughs> uh, and I apologize, from JC was the initials at the end of it. He's, he said in this email that it was 5.5 times bigger but according mm -hmm. to this spreadsheet, it's kind of not five times bigger, right? Like, and that's maybe where I was getting confused because if you look at the spreadsheet that Joel put together, the diameter is 21 millimeters for the 2170, hence the 21. And the diameter for the 4680 is 46. So that's a little more than 2X, but the height is only from 70 millimeter to 80 millimeters. So it's really not five times bigger more volume well so right, jc did case. this calculation yeah this jc did this calculation and he says that the 4680 cell is 5.5 times bigger than a 2170 just looking at the volume which is uh radius the this he he, he goes through like radius times radius right, times but how pi, does that how does that square bear out basically. if it's only a few but it's so it's it's 5.5 times more volume, but it only has five times more energy storage. So what happened to that 0.5? It should have of energy more than a 2170. And the explanation Joel gave, and I believe this is spot on given his numbers, is that there is more dead space, if you will, or space without energy generating elements in the ends of the battery that's tabless design. In the 2170, so compared to the 2170. No, 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 no. In the 4680, yes. In the 4680, it has more stuff at the ends, the top and the bottom of the cell, which is how they're going to get faster charge, faster discharge, better cooling, all of the, all of the shiny bits that we want out of a lithium battery but i'm still super confused because yeah, me my too. understanding is that in the same volume uh, you're going to have significantly more energy so you're saying that's not true but that's not what they same said volume yeah you're saying the battery basically is bigger the battery is bigger much the bigger. Is bigger i get it but i'm just I'm from the pack level when you put these together you're going to be able to put significantly more energy in the same volume of the pack doing these bigger cells than 2170 okay, yeah so if you're talking about the pack, there's another element right now, and they showed this in battery day, there is this channel that runs between cells alongside the cells that carries this coolant. They no longer need that. Okay. They can just jam the cells right up against each other because the coolant is now going to run across the tabs at the top or the bottom of the cell and cool them from the ends, not from the sides. So now you can jam the batteries closer together. They can probably literally epoxy them all together. And that's, I think, what they were alluding to, although I, don't, I can't say this for sure. Like, just 
goo them all together so the batteries become a actual structural element like a honeycomb. So, let me ask you this question. So it seems, and I, and I think this is, is where we were getting at, right? The 2170 versus the 4680, you could fit, let's call it four 2170s inside a 4680. Is that about right? Because it's about twice as much diameter, which means like you should be able to almost fit four approximately you're you're i thought we wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute i was told i thought we said there was going right, to be no yeah. math. i was told to be no math. <laughs> i was told there would be Jimmy no math Chase, either, no but, I'm, but i'm trying to figure this out right and so does that mean for every one five cells or four old cells they only need one cell to provide the same amount of energy and in that case they weren't necessarily comparing it cell to cell they were comparing it volume to volume on battery day right so instead of a thousand cells it's 250 cells that take up the same space that a thousand cells did and on top of that the energy is improved well so i can't speak for that because i think it's a little more complicated how many cells are going to fit in a various space but let me just um complicate this slightly oh, please. more. Oh, you couldn't complicate it more because I everybody. don't know what the hell you're talking about, but go on. Well, okay, so let's just say this. If, if let's say somebody took a bunch of wooden dowels that were 46 millimeters across and they cut them so that they were 80 millimeters long and they took all of these dowels and sprayed them all nice and silvery-like and then assembled them into a battery pack. Sandy Monroe? Exactly. So there's a YouTube out there called Sandy is Thrilled About Tesla's Battery Day and Begins Battery Mock-Up, where he or his crew, all of them, put together a faux Tesla battery using these wooden dowels and shows how much more battery you can fit into a smaller space. So Mel, when you're talking about how can they fit more energy density in a battery pack, that's how. No longer do you need the channels. You can just jam the batteries next to each other. Yes, a big uh, 4680 battery has got five times the volume of a 2170 battery, a little bit more, but has. But when you try to take five 2170s and jam them together, obviously you're going to have a lot of airspace stuck mm -hmm. in between them. Okay. So you get rid of all that airspace. So now you've got you, you can get more batteries together in a battery pack. And so that's how they get more density. Plus, they're able to, for the other reasons, the, the cooling and the tabless design, get the other performance gains. So this Does that answer it? Yeah, I, actually, I'm starting to understand it now in terms of the battery pack. When you look at the pack, um, you're going to be able to have much more energy density at the pack level because of all of these savings cooling from the top and the bottom instead of shedding all these little round things together. So the question I have now is, uh, Sandy actually predicted before the event what he thought the new battery size would be because I think he yeah, did he some damn math. close. He was really close. They did, did some math. math. And I'm wondering... Well, he's an engineer. He's not a doctor. <laughs> we went into doctoring because... Yeah, calculus was f***ing hard. So I wonder what the – I wish – it'd be interesting to see what math goes into that because if this bigger battery is way better, why not make 
a bigger battery, but it's there's clearly some limit to where you get your benefits from. So this they're trying to maximize the size of the battery to do all this good stuff because I'm obviously thinking, well, why didn't you make it five times bigger? Because if a little well, bit bigger is good, a lot bigger is better because I'm a doctor. Okay, so there was a, a graph on battery day in which Elon uh, showed how much density you can pack into a battery, but still maintain performance. In other words, cooling and manufacturing as well. And so that was part of it. That I think that's when, that was early on. It's called the bigger cylindrical cell costs less. So they, they did a uh, vehicle range comparison to cost reduction curve. I actually saved it on my cell oh, phone. Oh, look at that. He shared his picture. The top, I can put this in the show notes, the top line is the cost of the battery and the bottom line is the amount of energy you can pack into it based on the cells that you produce. And these curves are kind of like a very gentle parabolic curve. And the two points that get highest on the two curves intersect at 46 millimeter cell outer diameter. And the cells are 46. But to be clear then, what they weren't doing at Battery Day was comparing each individual cell to another individual cell. They were comparing a volume and density of materials to one another. I like to think of it as they're sort of comparing pack cells against pack cells like if you have a bigger volume of cells in the sort of pack form that we have we can put more energy in for all of the reasons that we've talked about i'm beginning to understand you cool from the top from the bottom and sandy munro said that's exactly what they'll do robert you said a little while ago you'll put all these bigger cells together and then just basically pour epoxy in there and that becomes the rigid structure that now holds the car together and you put a cooling thing on the top and the bottom and you don't also have to have all of these extra pieces of steel or aluminum to give your rigidity. You basically have the cells and epoxy and it's just this big bloop and that also gives you all of this reduction in weight. Right, and... And, and you, manufacturing right, and cost you, and materials. And you lose those cooling channels as well in between every other row of batteries in the Model 3 and every row of batteries in the Model S and X. And if you look at the Sandy Munro uh, teardown video, and he's got a, a, a battery pack, a real battery pack sitting there, there's not only those channels and not only the batteries, but there's all this green glue stuff. I mean, there's a ton of stuff in there. This must lighten the battery pack considerably. Probably another consideration that they're using in this design. It's almost like they, um, you know, I love this is what Tesla does. Uh, They throw away the recipe book and they say, well, why why are we mixing it three times? If we just throw everything together, let's just mix it once. And they're just like skipping steps. He explained this. And, uh, and I think we all understand that part of it. But, you know, getting down into the nitty gritty, you see the beauty of each of the elements that they change along the way to make the battery pack less expensive. You know, the, the cells have six times the power. That's all because of that tabless design and the ability to keep the cells cooler so that they, I mean, six times the power. 
Think about your car having six months, six times more torque. That's that's beyond crazy plaid, insane, whatever. That's not so stuff. Well, I can tell you how crazy that is. So first of all, Sandy Munro should do all of the presentations for Elon from now on because his were really great. <laughs> we'll put some uh, link in the show notes. So the plaid mode. Yes, so you're talking about now that you've got this incredible ability to just like put energy across copper, boop. So the plaid mode S is so fast, accelerates so fast. I don't know if you uh, picked this up, but a lot of the drag racing things, I don't know, I've become like a lot of people, I like to watch Tesla's drag race other things. They say this thing is so fast now, it accelerates so fast and it will get to 150 miles an hour by the quarter mile that most drag racing um, facilities require that you have parachutes as an extra braking mechanism. So you're going to be able to take your plaid mode S and race it once at uh, the drag race place where you live and you blow by 150 miles an hour and they say, next time you come here, by the way, you cannot do that. You must have a parachute to help you slow down because that's what we require of cars that are this fast at the quarter mile. And I just think that's pretty cool. Well, what's funny is that uh, on one of the very first Los Angeles Tesla Club events uh, that went to the drag strip, right? I think it's Irwindale. And the club, LA Club, has probably been there uh, once or twice a year for the last like four or five years. I haven't gone myself. Even though, Tom, you would say that I am only doing this because I like to go fast. It's not so. But... At that, a bunch of people could not take their Teslas on the track because it turned out the first couple were so fast, you had to wear a helmet. And they didn't bring a racing helmet. I don't even know, because I'm tall, if I could, in my old S, if I could have gotten a helmet on my head, because I had a hard top, not glass roof, Model S, I don't even think I could have worn a helmet to race my Model S. So, yes, uh, now we're going to have... Uh, Maybe, I wonder, I wonder if Mark at RPM Tesla is thinking down these roads that he's got to sort of yes. get it together and start building parachutes to put on the back of your car. Oh, yeah. Let's just switch out the trailer hitch on, uh, on the SUV Model X and throw in a parachute for going to the track. I want to go back in time because I was listening to our last episode and you didn't answer the question. You didn't answer it at least adequately. Robert... You have the need for speed. Mm. Are you getting a Plaid Model S? 520 miles range, uh, 0 to 60 in some ungodly thing that will make you go unconscious. Uh, less than two seconds. Roberts, and it's the same price as a performance Model S was a few years ago. It's only $140,000. Only, he says. Roberts, hello. I, you're right. I ditched that uh, question on the last show. I said I wanted the Roadster instead. I really the reason that I said I was I was more interested in the Roadster, which I haven't won yet. They haven't pulled my name out of a hat, and uh, I have a palsy, a measly I don't know six wonderful people who've used my referral code, Robert four one seven seven. But I love the Model Three. I mean, for going around town, doing the things that I do, back and forth to work, even though it's like a fifty mile drive, uh, going to, you know, Palm Springs, going to the supermarket. The Model 3 is is more than enough car for me. The Model S was a little bit larger, a little bit more challenging to navigate around the city. Um, I think that if I was going to go for 
big and fast, I would really want the Roadster, and I would keep my Model 3 uh, the way but it the is. the Roadster um, is not big and fast. The Roadster is, is fast and, and small-ish. But here, let, let me, I just want to put a button on this battery thing because Robert's not going to answer the question. He's just, he's not going to do it because same reason you're not going to answer no. the question or be honest about the answer because I both of us know if somebody put out a Model S with 650 miles of range, somebody in this call would get one. So whatever, that's fine. <laughs> we can all pretend that that's not the case. But But so here's what I think is the difference, right? We're talking about the difference between energy density and energy storage, right? In these two batteries. They're not saying five times increase in energy density. They're saying a five times increase in energy storage in that cell versus the other cell, which means, like you said, let's say, for instance, it's in the same amount of space that four and a half cells would have taken up, they've got it in the space of four cells. So they're getting that. That's that's not exactly the right math, but you understand what I'm saying as it pertains to that. And that's why the percentage of range is about 16%, right? Because it's, it's storage, not density, right? If it was 5x density, then it would be an amazing amount of range, 100% more range likely, right, in, in that particular mathematical functionality that we're talking about. And, and so that energy storage increase plus the savings in all of the cooling and, and in the way that it's going in the thing, that's the, that's the magic of this cell. Does that seem like the, like the easy way to explain that? So you're saying it's not because they've magically changed the chemistry of the cell. It's because they've changed the structure. Right, they've of the changed cell. the structure of the cell. So instead of needing five cells, they've gotten the same energy that they would have put in five cells in the amount of space that basically is around four cells, give or take. Again, that's not exactly the math, but that's sort of what I'm trying to get at from like a, if you're visualizing, you've gotten yourself five, you know, of the old cells and one of the new cells, that one of the new cells takes up less space, but provides a little more energy. Yeah. And that hopefully will also enable them to make more vehicles because they'll be making like they only have the challenge of making one battery to replace four and a half batteries for instance so that increases their capacity in general right because my guess is it doesn't take that that much more time to do the winding and you can probably even if you're getting a two or three x increase in overall amount of batteries you're you're making big big progress there right that, that makes yeah, sense? Yeah, definitely. They're, making, they're having to make less cells, and they've sped up the cell-making process by using dry electrode or dry uh, uh, material, the stuff in the jelly roll, which doesn't then have to be dried. And it, it's going to shorten the process dramatically. So, yeah, they're going to be able to, with the same space of a factory, create a f-ton more cells so that they can have more cars and trucks and power walls and also to make the cells uh, specific for the need so be it a power storage unit that goes on in your house or at the utility versus 
your standard car versus your uh, semi. And it wasn't just an F-ton. It was a specific like 10x in the same volume of factory. They could do 10x the amount of uh, battery production. Right, 10x the amount of battery production. Okay, so here's the question. 10x the amount of battery production in a comparatively piece by piece or 10 10 times the amount of battery production as it pertains to energy storage capability? Energy storage capability. Okay. Yeah, you can't see this, but it's 75% the size. The battery factory will be 75% the size or 25% smaller and produce 10x the amount of battery. Battery storage. storage. It's it's going to be a mount. Yeah, yeah, the amount that you can store. kilowatt hours coming out of that factory. So the factory gets smaller by 25% Mm -hmm. and produces 10x the amount of energy storage. That is stunning. Because the... Uber because the, the batteries themselves are smaller. So, A, they have logistics of it, like having to store less, you know, move less singular pieces of things, right? Like, so, again, if a machine has to touch four batteries, it takes four times as long than it needs to touch one battery. Yeah, it's like all of these things together. It's sort of that compilation of everything together. You know, Elon has basically said, we want to be the best manufacturers yeah. in the world. We just happen to manufacture the clean future, but we want to be the best at this. And uh, I mean, I think I, and like a lot of people, you watch Battery Day and you're, first of all, you're a bit overwhelmed and then you start, you realize what you don't know. And then as you sort of peel it back a little bit, it's like, uh, as a lot of the YouTubers that are smart, that are engineers, like people are totally don't get this. Like Sandy Munro's calling Tesla a liar. Have you seen that video? It's like Tesla is a liar. They're liars. And you know why they're liars? Because what they told you is so much more profound than they made out. And they do this all the time. Um, they underpromise and overdeliver. Now, that's not how we think about Tesla. We think about Tesla as like, it'll be here in a year, and it's not. But it's like in terms of what they just did, they totally undersold it by a factor of 10. What they're talking about doing with these factories is absolutely world-changing. And so Sandy was having fun saying, they're liars. <laughs> what they're doing is way bigger than they made out. Yeah. Fascinating. All right, well, let's let's move off of this topic because I think we discussed it for a long time. And let's talk about this story from the Times UK about electric cars being cheaper in the long run, which you know, we've all kind of, depending on the electric car, we've all had the, this this thought, you know, that, yeah, you pay a little more up front, but it might might pay for itself at the end, although I don't think that's ever true with the Model S. And actually, this kind of this story bears bears out that it's not necessarily true for the Model S. But common midsize, according to this story and this study, common midsize electric cars could be 131 pounds sterling a month cheaper to maintain than those with a combustion engine. Now, I didn't do the math. I didn't convert it to dollars. If one of you gentlemen would like to 200 convert... 200-ish. 200-ish a month cheaper to maintain than those cars with a combustion engine. Small battery-powered cars remained a little more expensive than their fossil fuel equivalents initially, but the gap in ownership disappeared after about four years. 
and and the benefit of owning an electric car increased the longer you drove it the more you drove it which is just unheard of in an ice car obviously right the value the 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 cost definitely typically goes up because the electrical things go out the motor needs more lubricating all these things happen the gas mileage sort of goes down so I think, again, this is very, very interesting. This was a study by a, a company called Lease Plan, which is a fleet management company in the United... Right, so they've got awesome right, data. Right, right. In, the, in the United Kingdom. And, and behind this data, the government, Boris Johnson and the, and the UK government, has decided to likely accelerate its ban on selling new petrol and diesel cars and vans in the UK from the original 2040 to 2030. We're talking like 10 years, right? Like 2030 is a lot faster than California. Right. And Cal- that's right. So California just made 2035. California just made this announcement at 2035, but but the real question is is like I get these announcements and I think it's wonderful to have these gigantic goals, but in 2019 electric cars in the UK only made up 5% of the total sales. So they sold 44,708 units in the UK since the start of this year, which is three times more than the total in the same period in 2019, which is a huge number, 3X. I mean, that's, but it's only from, you know, 12,000 to 44. Like, so it's not like world beating numbers, but 10 years, do you see the ability for them for for this world to have enough vehicles produced by the big car companies, Porsche, Volkswagen, and Tesla batteries in the next 10 years to actually reach this goal? Yeah, that's a good question because that's exactly uh, what made me feel, I don't know if it's suspicious or clairvoyant when Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, came out two days after Tesla Battery Day and said, no more new uh, fuel-powered cars after 2035. And, you know, up until recently, what we've covered in our stories is that nobody thought that electric cars could become even the majority of vehicles uh, until 2050. But I think that a lot of people who are advisors, scientists, hopefully Boris Johnson and Gavin Newsom are actually listening to them, maybe they're just shooting from the hip, are telling them, hey, this battery technology is improving quickly. Tesla, CATL, uh, LG, people are making batteries better, faster, uh, and it's going to make this actually happen. And maybe this battery day helped to tip the scale so that people were willing to put their necks out and say, yeah, we're going to go electric. Yeah, but well, I- was it? It's a, it's, sorry, it's a couple of things, right? It's one, we have to do this or the planet's going to explode. Yeah. And the technology is catching up and battery day help with that. And I talk about this with my son all the time who's in electrical engineering school. It's like, it feels like there's a race of technology and the planet being destroyed. And can the technology get us to the point where we can actually flip from fossil fuels to renewables fast enough? And I think that race is really close, but Battery Day made me feel like maybe we can. But the 
the technology is there, I, I, but the I, sorry, Robert, the technology is there, but the capacity is not there. Even Tesla themselves were like, "We're gonna we if we do everything right, we're gonna get to three terawatts of the twenty needed." So, are we gonna get a situation where just California and just the UK are? banning the sale of new combustion vehicles. And again, we're only talking about the year-over-year sales, right? So that doesn't mean they're banning all those cars that are on the road, on the road, and maybe there's 30, 40 million cars in California, and maybe there's a million new cars sold every year in California, and I don't know. Uh, I mean, we could do the math real quick, but if uh, 44,000 electric cars in the UK were 5% of the total sales, do the math on that, and you're you're looking at, what, like 4 million cars a year in the UK, something, something in... I think before you can make that, you really have to do get numbers. But I think the most important point of this is that Tesla has shown a, a flight path to building a lot of batteries. And the the projection is that, yes, I think we're going to be able to get to uh, a majority electric vehicles a lot faster. And if you watch what's going on in, Ber- in, in Texas and near Berlin, where the two new gigafactories are going up, they're going up quick. Stuff's happening really quickly. And the Texas yeah. one is enormous. It is it is staggering how big it is. Yeah. And and the and the and to go back to this article in the Times, the, the part of this article that I thought was actually really interesting from a consumer standpoint and from an education standpoint and from where where people might really start to actually understand these this cost of ownership number was there was a they the, the paper was commissioned by the Department of Transport that called for compulsory price labeling standard that emphasizes the real world ownership cost of an electric car rather than just the sticker price, right? So they put, this is what the car costs, but this is what's going to cost you over the next five years. And it's a real world, theoretically will be a real world number. And I think if they can get that on their stickers in in the UK, and we could potentially do that as well, I think that's going to go a really, really long way to educating people on how to do this. And, And then the other issue obviously is, we know that because the cars cost a little bit more up front, they cost a little bit more to repair. Insurance is a little bit more. Hopefully that gets better and better and better. So so basically in this article, again, they talked about, uh, we, we talked about like how much cheaper it was, but we're talking about like basically midsize models that they were comparing include the Model 3 and the BMW 3 and the Audi A4 are the cars that they're comparing, which are, they're saying like, for the petrol version of these cars versus $832 for an electric, you know, Model 3 as as it goes and goes and goes. Now, again, like the top of the range executive cars, which the Model S is part of, was not included in this. And the managing director of, of Lease Plan UK was quoted as saying, we need a surety of supply post Brexit and significant investment in a universal affordable and sustainable charging infrastructure and only then we'll be able to make a switch to full electric vehicles and support the uk's wider effort to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050 so this is again step one they've accelerated it for 10 years to get away from to be net zero carbon emissions by 2050 which is just an amazing thing to set for yourself but 
even this person, right? This this Alfonso Martinez, who's directing this lease plan, he's like charging infrastructure, right? Like charging infrastructure, charging infrastructure, charging infrastructure. Yep, charging infrastructure. Although you need less charging infrastructure if your car goes five hundred miles, because you can just charge at home. Well, that's but you can't if you live in an apartment, right? Again, that's the other right part of it. And most once people, a month. No, yeah, I mean. I don't know, dude. Like, I feel like it's probably closer to needing to charge once a week. If you have 300, I mean, if you have 300 miles of range, you got to charge probably about once a week. If you have sort of an average 20 mile a day commute, just to never go down to zero and feel like you could run some additional errands, right? Like you're, if you're using 40 a day times seven days, that's, you know, or five days, even that's 200 miles right there. It doesn't give you a lot of leeway. So you're likely charging once a week. And that can be challenging. Again, if you, uh, it, there's no way you're doing it with just a trickle charge. So you need to have at least a higher amperage charge availability somewhere. Well, that was the whole point of the urban superchargers, right? Is that there's all these people in apartments, they're 72 kilowatt. Uh, if you had enough of these out there, you basically, I've got to go uh, to Whole Foods and I've got to go to Ralph's, I've got to get some stuff, I'm going to be around for two hours. You plug in. You go do all your shopping, you come back to your car, you're charged up for the week. But uh, I agree. Hey, nobody's going to disagree with we need more charging infrastructure <laughs> than this guy. No, nobody. This guy. Right. And, and we've get, we have stores that are being built. Like we had a brand new Amazon Fresh Market just open in Woodland Hills. And they put in two chargers in a 500-car parking lot. It's not just their parking lot. But they put in two chargers that offer free charging. The Whole Foods two chargers right like that you know underground so the there there aren't chargers in the gelsons there's not chargers in the vons there's not chargers in the routes like they're that like it's still not being done i'm not seeing all of these local chargers being built by electrify america i'm not seeing all these destination chargers being built by anybody even the ones that you see they put in walgreens uh from ev go they put in two or three and, and people don't want to use them right. because they got to pay for them, you know? And so again, we can go on and on and on about that, but I do believe like that is the more people tell you that it's not about charging, the more you cannot believe them because it's about charging. And, and I think charging is tied to the grid and it's tied to infrastructure and it's tied to a lot of things because, you know, living in California for the last, you know, many 40, 50 years of my life and then seeing the changes recently and how often they're turning the grid off in certain areas. Like what's that look like in a situation where like every car in California is now being charged electrically? Like what kind of changes need to be made to get there? Yeah, that was like some of the strongest pushback I heard on the news from quote experts. And I will use air quotes because Honestly, I think a lot of people speak out of their ass when it comes to they think they know what's going on, but really they're just throwing shade on what I think is a fantastic um, development. And they're, think they're thinking that uh, California is going to need so much infrastructure and so many more wires that are going to create forest fires and all of this. And I'm thinking, wait, how about you just put solar panels on every freaking structure and a power wall or two or three on every freaking structure and then you're going to eliminate 
such an enormous amount of necessity for grid that these car parks that are going to charge a hundred, you know, whatever, Teslas, Porsches, Volvo Polestars, Rivians, you name it, they're not going to have that much stress. But you got to address the whole picture. Yeah, distributed energy production, we've talked about a million times, helps the grid enormously. If you have solar panels on your house and you've got a battery and you're charging up your car and you're and there's a san diego company i can't remember the name of them right now but they're sort of the leader in oh you need uh, five electric chargers we'll just drop them off for you and so what they yeah, have those is guys that have right they have solar panels and they have a battery and uh, they basically just take it to your parking lot and they park it there and it'll charge like six cars and they're expensive right now, but they're coming down in price. So you don't have to have any infrastructure. They just build them and they just plop them there and they charge up with the sun. And then you can go plug your car. I've seen them at UCLA. I've seen them at other places. And they're selling quite a lot of them. So, uh, for example, you're in the National Forest and you're kind of a long way from uh, the grid. You can just like take these things out there and they're, they're self-sustaining. You just like put them out there and you can charge your electric cars. So there's... There's these technologies that are available. Uh, it is a bit of a problem when there's so much soot in the air from the burning forests that it reduces your mm. solar energy, but you can still use it. But I just say to those oh, people, what's the alternative? So the alternative is to continue to burn fossil fuels to make this situation worse until we turn into Jupiter. I mean, come on. Enough. I'm not. And I want to make it clear that I hope you don't believe that I'm saying that and I'm not throwing shade on this. What I'm saying is like, if this is a thing that needs to get done in tandem, we need to get off our asses and start to work on it because we've seen the complications, the permitting problems involved in building just the supercharger network in general and what a fast yet pretty relatively slow process as it pertains to turning over an entire fleet in the next, you know, 10 years you know 10 years from now right like they've been building superchargers for about what six years seven years now and and where where you know like it's not it's not everywhere that you go like i can't charge my tesla everywhere which is fine and i'm not saying that i can't i'm not being un throwing shade i'm saying like we need to have more more companies than Tesla. And I think there's some energy that will get back into the grid because if you're not running refineries in in these states, my guess is those guys are pretty big energy hogs in general, right? Like running all the pumps and stuff like that. So like there is some, some additional uh, capacity out there, but we need to be very pragmatic. And if California is going to make these like pie in the sky, like you need to like turn all cars into electric, then, then California needs to do something to support that infrastructure, right, in and of itself, right? Well, I think they are. Yes. But basically what we're talking about, which every expert in this area says, if we're going to stop the destruction of the planet, we need something akin to World War II level uh, infrastructure. Right. We need to get serious. And we can do it, but we need to get serious. There need to be gigafactories going up effing everywhere and so, uh, so we're going to get serious keep, you're, you keep saying this Mel and it's just putting a dagger in my heart because people are going to say Mel you ignorant slut the planet is going nowhere <laughs> that's true it's just going to be completely uninhabitable by mammals 
except maybe a few in the ocean, but no guarantees there either. So the planet's going to be fine. Planet's going to be here for a long time, yes. but we're not. Yeah. Yes. Or if we are, we're going to be like Mel Gibson in some of those apocalyptic movies yeah, fighting the way each the, other for the, the way that very, I look at it very is like the planet's resources. still going to be here. People are still going to be here, but none of us are going to be anywhere near the equator of this thing. <laughs> like that thing is going to be, uh, yeah, we're not going to be enjoying ourselves. We're not going to be hiking and eating. Well, I mean, there was a, uh, article shoe. I didn't put it in the notes and I haven't actually read the whole thing. I just listened to a bit of it on the on a podcast that talked about just in the United States where are we going to be able to live we're not going to be able to live like west of the rockies yeah except for maybe some of the pacific northwest everything else no not livable yeah. and even in the south the humidity and the temperature that's going to stretch up like to ohio is going to be so deadly people will literally be dying from the heat they yeah. can't get away from. And so, you know, places like Minnesota and and uh, Wisconsin, you know, um, in, in a generation is going to be, you know, kind of the place to be. The migration away from the poles is going to create uh, wars. It's going to create uh, mm -hmm. just a humanitarian crisis that is overwhelming. And that's why the U.S., you know, military is like the biggest threat to the United States is global warming, is climate change, because uh, people are going to be shifting all over the world and that's going right. to create war after war. You've got fresh water, you're a little cooler than me. So in terms of uh, cost effectiveness, uh, we need to turn every factory into a renewable energy machine. I think it's kind of going to be like Logan Run, uh, Logan's Run, one of my favorite movies from like 40 years ago. If you're going to really? live... We're going to have things in our palms? Well, uh, if you want to live anywhere where we kind of live now, like in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, and stuff, you're only going to be able to live there if you have an artificial environment. If you have a giant dome that's solar run and there are air conditioners going and the plants are inside, because if you go outside there, it's not going to be good. So let me throw a little recommendation out. It's not really like a, uh, a media pick, but interesting to watch on YouTube. Robert Llewellyn, who does Fully Charged, did a segment in Dubai where they have created, built a, uh, uh, I guess it's like a, a condominium or a townhome complex that is off-grid, solar-powered, self-contained, cooled with these special cooling domes where they're actually growing herbs and things and it's covered in solar panels and even and if you buy an electric car to park out you can only park in the outside of this whole structure the whole inner it's all pedestrian so kids can play they're never going to get hit by a car anyway if you buy a car they give you like 10,000 US to buy an electric car and it's pretty amazing. And they're starting to build it up more so that they're going to have like retail in it that's going to pay for all the association fees. So once you buy in, you're done. You don't have to pay anything more, maybe taxes. I don't know if they have property taxes there. But, you know, it's like so many ways in which we need to change our thought process 
like Tesla is changing its thought process about producing battery packs. Well, this is the concept of uh, mitigation and adaption. So uh, what we're trying to do with renewable energy and stuff is mitigation of how bad this could be. But every expert in this area says we have to do two things because it's too late. We have to do mitigation so it can't be as bad as it you know, could be. But already we're going to have to do adaption. We're going to have to lift up the houses that are near the ocean. And we're going to have to live in glassed off domes in large parts of the world um, because we've already, you know, uh, screwed this up. But let's continue on and let's talk about Model Y's roof flying off. I found this really interesting because I drive a Model Y and I was wondering when I can turn it into a convertible. Yeah, so the interesting thing about this is like there is a Model Y convertible. There's just one so far, thankfully. (laughs) 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 Thankfully. Uh, And and like the nice thing about this is that like it wasn't, it wasn't, there's no extra charge from Tesla for the convertible. Like the people who bought this Model Y, they didn't even really understand and realize that they had a convertible. So this was from Nathani. 0499-2006 and Instagram and they were uh, they had just picked up their Model Y and were driving back from the delivery center in their lovely hometown and and all of a sudden the entire glass roof just flew off the top of the vehicle which as you know in the Model Y there's no center brace there so it's just wide open and lovely at that point the problem was like they couldn't like didn't go back on at any point. So, so this, uh, this family had to drive back to the Tesla service center. And, and so the young, the young man wrote in his, in his uh, Instagram, my dad bought a brand new model Y today and he brought me along to pick it up just in case he needed help with any tech problems. (laughs) Everything was going fine. And we were driving back home when we started to hear a ton of wind. And I thought, Maybe a window was open, but a minute later, the entire roof just blew off. After a brief panic, we turned around and drove the new Tesla convertible back to the dealership. (laughs) However, interestingly enough, when they got to the Tesla service center, what did they tell them? The Tesla service... What did you do with your car? The Tesla service center said there was most likely an issue with the seal of the Model Y's roof. I believe Tesla has hired... Captain Obvious to work at yeah. the Tesla service center. <laughs> so uh, you drive along in your Model uh, Y and the roof blows off. I'm thinking there's probably a problem with the way we put the roof on it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. The manager said that either the seal of the roof was faulty or the factory just forgot to seal the roof on. Uh, what? No. Th- so, no. I mean... Thankfully, nobody got hurt, but somewhere on the 580 is a roof of a Model Y in case you're looking for one. And Yeah, did anybody else get hurt? That's no, what I, I mean, was not, thinking. I'd that, hate to have that, that thing flying in my face. That information is, is currently unknown. I imagine not, or we would have probably heard a little follow-up uh, to that to that lovely, lovely story. But can you imagine? It's it's day zero. You're you're leaving the Tesla service like delivery center and you are just you've never been more excited. Touchless delivery, you your key fob is is in your pocket. Yeah. Touchless manufacturing. Touch, touchless manufacturing. <laughs> and 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 you're just all of a sudden it just gets 
loud and the roof flies off, oh my God, I would lose my mind. Do you think they got like a pen or some t-shirts or something like that from Tesla? Or like, what do you think the, the sort of like... Well, they probably gave him a roof. <laughs> you think? Oh, you know what you're going to get for that? <laughs> a new roof. How's that? Now, let hey? me ask you this question. If you're that family and your roof just flew off your Model Y... And they're like, oh, no problem. We'll just get a new roof and throw it on there. Are you keeping that car? Are you like thinking, I wonder what else they forgot? No, it's if you buy a Model Y, you're part of the cult. It's all good. Um, really? Oh, the roof flies off every now. It's fine. Fine. Because Elon said well, it's you fine. Well, you know what? I, I'm, Nothing to see I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for the bright side of things. At least the windshield didn't fly off. Exactly. You didn't kill the people in the car. You killed the people behind you. Come on. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, compromise. I'm, I'm, compromise, people. I'm, I'm no longer accepting delivery of that Model Y. <laughs> I'm not no, waiting. I'm, I think I'm with you. I'm like, I think this car might be a little bit faulty. Kind of like to have another one. Or is it California Lemon Law? We have a Lemon Law where if you have the same problem three times, then you can uh, request that you get a new car. So do you drive it two more times and like, okay, that's the third roof that's fallen off. I would like a new car. Does this, does this qualify as a panel gap issue? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. It's a large gap. But I think it's not a quarter The Lemon inch. Law. It's not a... Four inch, it's a sixty yeah, the, inch. The cow. lemon law thing is is funny. I don't know, like that's pretty amazing actually. But I, but but let's say they bought this car. Let's let's take it back and be a little bit serious about it, right? There is a like seventy two hour thing if you never test drove your Y, right? If I if I never went for a test drive and I purchased a Y, don't I have like a week with that vehicle before I can bring it back? Before I have to like keep it? I'm just like, hey, uh, yeah, we've decided not to keep this one. Uh, it seems to have some issues in the in the roof. I'm actually uh, surprised that we have this story because if I had that car, mm-hmm. I'd be like, uh, what's it going to take for me to keep this story quiet? <laughs> what's it going to take? Uh, here's what's going to ah. take. I'm going to need new Model Y and uh, I'm going to have to get uh, plaid Model S. And, uh, you know, because this is tremendously bad for Tesla, I'm going to have to get a roadster and uh, could you put a solar roof on? Then we're going to call this done. Nobody needs to know. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm going to need a Model Y every three years for the next (laughs) ever. I want a uh, free hall pass to SpaceX, please. That's right. That's fun, too. All right. Well, anyway, so there you go. The first uh, Model Y convertible off the line. And uh, again... Big problem. Is it the end of the world? No. Do mistakes happen? But yes. I, but I wonder if I wonder if that roof, how much structure it's responsible for. Because I'm thinking, wow, you know, maybe you could just put some Velcro around and just put like some plastic over it. That would be way sweet to have a convertible test. Really? Don't you think? Plastic? Velcro? Well, you take it off when you want to go out for a ride. So, so- Okay, so you've all heard this last comment by Robert, and and now the the cat is clearly out of the bag. There was nothing wrong with his audio earlier. He was just saying stupid early in the show also. (laughs) So we turned that crap off, and he somehow managed to find his way in the back door and back into the show, but... 
whatever. And 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 oh, so Robert, s- now now you want to say something nice about the Model Y now? Well, but before you go there, can I, I, I say do. this? Oh yes, I please. just want to say this. Please. So we've heard this story. This is a catastrophic manufacturing failure. Yes, it is. Yes, and we've heard about it because it's a Tesla show. But I'm sure if we did a Google search on the F one fifty and the Prius, we could probably find catastrophic engineering failures where just something terrible went wrong and like all of the wheels fell off on somebody. We talked about the F one fifty and the shuddering of death. Do you remember that? Where these guys would be driving along, and if you got onto a certain kind of a road surface at a certain kind of a speed, and you did some like maneuver that was benign, the whole steering column would rattle like crazy and you couldn't get it to stop until you slowed the truck down. And this had happened in like hundreds of vehicles and Ford was still telling people, oh, you know, it was, you didn't, you didn't align it right and this and that. And oh my God. So I did. So catastrophic engineering failures occur with everybody. It's sort of like with uh, when Tesla first came out and there were some Tesla fires mm-hmm. and everybody's like, Teslas burn all the time. And it turns out they burn about one-tenth the rate of your gas car. So right. I like case reports because they're interesting. Yeah. But they're interesting because they're case reports. Yeah. So I just did a search for F-150 failures and uh, there was yes. an article, 15 glaring problems with the Ford F-150. Starting way back in 2012, They've had issues with just the power, loss of power while driving. That's probably a pretty big one. Engine clatters like a diesel at low RPM. Transmission issues leading to bad or no shifting. Large recall over faulty transmission gear indicators. That seems problematic. Uh, Oh, why? I don't want to roll backwards over my Here's one in theme of what we're talking about. Faulty power windows not rolling up or down. That's not very great. A head gasket leak. For those of you who don't know, that's a thing in in a gas or diesel engine. They have a head gasket. Bad spark plugs. Faulty airbag deployment. Ooh, that seems like it could be a big deal. Uh, That's the catch your head off the grandma uh, problem which was with the early airbags. Yeah, specific to abrupt deployment of the driver's side airbag. Hmm. That seems like it could be a problem. They recalled 140,000 trucks for that bad boy. So like you said, Melvis, there's a lot of things that happen to vehicles. Turns out, hard to build a good quality vehicle. Yeah, just uh, Google search death wobble. <laughs> death wobble. W-O-B-B-L-E, okay. death, wobble. death wobble. That's what I was talking Super about. Super fun. Yeah. So in The Week magazine, which is a fantastic publication that I've gotten for, I don't know, a decade now. It's a great little You haven't had magazine. it for a week? You've had it for a decade? It comes out every week, yes. <laughs> so good, Mel, so good. It was a pl- comes out every yeah, week. In fact, I have the latest one right here on my desk. Oh, maybe it's not the latest. This one is from September 25th. But they have really great cartoons. Mel, you can look up and I'm showing this Mm -hmm. to you. They have really good cartoons. They scour the literature around the world and the United States. And in the issue that recently just came out, uh, they had a little blurb under like the consumer section where they always highlight a vehicle that says the Tesla Model Y, colon, what the critics say. And it is just gushing about the Model Y. 
from Car and Driver, from Motor Trend, uh, its Corvette quick, uh, impressive range. Uh, even though it has extra weight, it's still just as good as the Model 3. And uh, they just give it such high marks. And um, what I like about this is that this puts electric cars, a Tesla, in a very nice light in front of millions of people. So you out there, Tesla Nation, who have people, you know, potentially coming up to you even more saying, wow, Joe, Mary, you guys are so smart. You already have one of these cars, don't you? And then you can sit back and say, yes, ha ha. I saw the writing on the wall and you should get one too, along with a power wall and solar panels. Yes, Mel. Yeah. So two things. First of all, the week, I agree with you. I really like it. It's a nice summary. Uh, somebody gave me a subscription as a present a couple of years ago. Really like it. Uh, and this reminds me, I, I need to um, tell you guys something. I feel a little embarrassed by it. Uh-oh. Oh, really? Mm. This is a safe space for you, Mel. It's a safe space. Is it safe? It's just between the three yeah. of us? Safe like space. There's not, yeah. not 10,000 people listening, right? No, no, no. Can we just no, talk no, about it? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Just, just no. us. No. Okay. No, just so us. I got a Model Y and... Um, and on my app, it said, uh, you know, it, it puts a little, uh, it's like a little cabinet thing and it puts a bright light, which says, if you click on here, there's some special information that you can, something special is going to occur. So I click on it and it says like for $2,000, you can increase the acceleration of your model Y <laughs> from 4.8 <laughs> seconds to 4.3 seconds over <laughs> zero to 60, zero to hundred kilometers an hour. Is that so? Really? And um, and I um, I, I'm so embarrassed. I bought it. Oh my god! You bought the acceleration boost. I bought the acceleration boost. And I got to tell you, damn! I got to tell you, I bought it because I had a Model Three, dual motor, like you guys have. Well, no, like Robert has. Uh, Tom doesn't. It's just wow. so wow, wow, really? I know, I know. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's just so wicked fast, and I'm not like a speed demon thing. But the Model Y, without the acceleration boost, was fast, but it wasn't as fast as the dual motor Model Three. And uh, so I, I dropped the two grand on it because you know I own this one. And I'm going to keep it for a long time, and I got to tell you, I'm so happy I did because. You would think half a second isn't that much, but damn, it's fast. <laughs> you're on the freeway. I'm like, I got to get around this person. And it's really the talk at the high end. It's like you're doing 50 and I need to get to 75. And you just hit it and it's like, poof. And this is 4.3 seconds, zero to 60. I cannot imagine 1.8 seconds. I would explode and die. I'm just saying, I don't think everybody should buy it, but it's, feels like the best $2,000 I've ever spent on a yeah, car. Yeah, because it's $2,000 you spent on something Tesla actually gave you this time, which is awesome. They gave it That's and very... they give it to you. What's so bizarre, so my car's sitting there <laughs> and I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, oh, to hell with it. I've already spent 60 grand on this thing. Uh -huh. Why not 62? And I click the thing <laughs> and I go out there an hour later and my car is radically, significantly amazingly better than it was uh -huh. before. And I'm like freaking out 
they can do this. It's bizarre. And it costs $2,000. So I'm thinking there's probably like many thousands of people who did the same thing. And Tesla's taking all that money and saying, thank you. So now your Model Y, your SUV kind of big, blobby, lot of storage Model Y is faster than my Model 3. It makes me feel happy. You could if have. We until I spend meet on the freeway late at night with nobody there, I could beat you. No, you, no, you could Until I spend $2,000. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's not an option on my car. But I will tell you, if you'd like to push buttons on my phone, you could spend $5,000 on my car, and my car would be fine with that. If, you, if you're ever in a situation, Mel, where you're sitting in a vehicle, and you're like, you know what I would really like to do is spend $5,000 right now on this vehicle, not my vehicle, just a vehicle, then you know what, bud? Just give me a ring. I'll pop over there, grab a little credit card situation, and we'll just we'll make it happen. We'll fulfill your dreams and the dreams of everybody who's listened to the show. You could buy yet another autopilot, but you can I do could, it for I me. could buy my 12th version of <laughs> autopilot. Good. Well, if you like Ooh. Tesla enabling and doing things mm-hmm. for your car, uh-huh. touchless, mm-hmm. right, in the COVID age, yeah. Tesla has been now sending out, and I'm not sure in which OTA, over the air update, Mm -hmm. a new uh, feature that will unfreeze your charge port. Now, I know that's not an issue for you, Mel, or Tom, since you live in the San Fernando Valley where your charge port is easily over 90 degrees on most days of the year. Mine won't, o- mine but, won't open anymore, though, since the last software update, On uh, actually. so. Well, when I remember going to Colorado in the winter mm-hmm. of 20, uh, 2018, I think mm-hmm. it was, and uh, having the charge port so frozen that I couldn't get it open, and then... After charging, you know, having gotten it open, which I won't tell you how, uh, or I will, uh, afterwards, having the supercharger plug so iced in there that I was afraid I was going to bust something to get it out. Now, once you get this charge port inlet heater update, which will be available for both the Model 3 and the Model Y. This was reported in Tesla Ride. Sorry, Model S owners. Model 3 and Model Y only. This, yeah, it's true. It wouldn't have helped me since I was in the Model S when I was in uh, up in the high uh, Rocky Mountains. Uh, three ways. You can either precondition from the Tesla mobile app your car. You can precondition through scheduled departure. So like, you know, 6 a.m., uh, super cold. Your car is frozen to the supercharger. You, set, you had set it that you're going to leave at 6 a.m. It'll be warmed up and ready to extract the supercharger handle. Mm-hmm. The third way is you can activate the rear defrost from the Model 3, and that will warm the charger That's port. A, the last one to me is very interesting because it seems like that the one thing doesn't necessarily always need to be the other. Like you could have a fogged in or, or a, you know, just actually need defrost on your Model 3 and not necessarily have ice or anything on there. So you would want to be using that 
there'd be excess energy going to that charge port. Now, is this going to be for all Model 3s and Model Ys from the first Model 3 that was made? Like my lowly single engine with beautiful Alcantara headliner interior Model 3, like will that be able to have a port charger on it, Robert? I don't think so. I think it was only the Model 3s and Ys from this year. That's what I recall reading. And uh, I agree. It could be considered a waste of energy. I don't know how much energy it takes to to warm up the charge port. And I don't know if they've installed some sort of a temperature uh, switch so that, you know, if it's above 35 or something degrees at the switch, that it doesn't have to be defrosted. But I thought that's pretty cool. Another one of those uh, items that will make our friends up north in the north and in the cold regions, very, very happy. Don't worry, in a couple of decades, nobody has to worry about this. That's not true. It's called climate change, not global warming. Interesting. I'm really kind of bummed. So this is actually coming out in software update 2020.40.0.4, which is quite a bit ahead of where I believe all of us are. At the moment, um, it doesn't say anything specifically about when these Model 3s will be available. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that I could potentially uh, get this functionality. But who knows? Who who Uh, uh, knows? uh, I actually sacrificed a nice hot cup of coffee once when I couldn't get it out. I thought, (laughs) you know, what the hell am I going to do? I'm sitting there with my coffee and I just started dribbling it out of the little open mouthpiece and I was like, oh, I'm putting coffee on that my paint. That sounds very the, dangerous, honestly. Like, wa- like liquid wasn't and electricity. Flowing. Yeah, it wasn't flowing. But, you know, I've plugged in and unplugged in quite a bit of rain as well. Hmm. So right. I had uh, faith. Uh, but if, you know, if uh, 120 kilowatts would have backed up that stream yeah. of coffee, hmm. I could have been... You know, you've been talking to me. You would be talking about me instead of with me. Let's talk about uh, it. Well, before you go there, I'm going to say that I've been in the rain, Mm -hmm. standing in three inches of water, Mm -hmm. about to plug and unplug my Tesla going, you know, all of those engineers that have (laughs) seen this scenario and have made sure that all the electronics in the car and in the power wall and in every part of this have looked at this situation I'm putting a lot of faith in you right now. I am pressing the button. And so far, I've not heard of anybody gotten fried, but it should be that at least a thousand people die a year from that situation. I'm standing in water. It's raining. I'm plugging my car into a very high DC current. Why am I not going to die right now? Well, I think that's the whole... I haven't heard of anybody dying yet. That's the whole, like, you like ready to charge and then once you plug it in you get that starting handshake. to charge or about to charge sort of like there yeah you need a handshake between the car there, and there's the charger. a little bit That's of a they're... delay so you're not my guess is you don't want so to be it's holding on to that it's saying like uh the meat sack the, the thing full of meat <laughs> is still there don't wait meat thing is walked away Start charging. I love that. I was going to say that's why they have the that's why they have the uh, side cameras facing backwards is so the engineers can watch you dance with electricity. Uh, but no, 
I'm sure it's safe. I really have a high uh, degree of uh, comfort using my Tesla, no matter what the weather is. And I have used Sharknado? It. I don't know. What am Sharknado? I? Sharknado? I'm uh, hmm? Sharknado. Sharknado. I, I have not been in a Sharknado. Fire tornado. To say We've that had fire tornadoes recently. That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if there are any near the superchargers. That's I haven't. Uh, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen any superchargers taken offline because of fire. <laughs> or Sharknadoes. But speaking of wind, mm. you know, wind was the method that we used to get ourselves around on water. For thousands of years, we used wind to get ourselves on water from one place to another. And then it just became recreation, just recreation. And we started filling these giant boats that were taking, you know, Mercedes from Europe to the United States and goods from China to the whole world. We started filling them with the worst possible fuel that nobody wants. Mm -hmm. It's called bunk. I think it's called bunk. Bunk fuel or bunker fuel. Bunk. It's just crap. bunk. And it burns so dirty. So In what's fact, the point of this Did whole you thing? know, did you know mm-hmm. that the commercial shipping industry mm-hmm. is responsible for two and a half percent of the world's CO2 emissions? And that's just. It doesn't sound like a lot. in the transportation. If we weren't buying any of that crap, be higher. Well, that's a whole other <laughs> thing. But because the fuel is so crappy, mm-hmm. they actually produce 9% of the sulfur oxides, which is what causes acid rain and really messes things up. I don't know if you, how much time you spent down at San Pedro or the Long Beach ports, but you know they, are, they were ordered to turn off their big engines and plug in when the ships come in because it was so dirty. So the reason I bring this mm-hmm. up well, because well of before ocean you go, bird. because you're going to okay. say something that's amazing. And before you get there, I want to give you one other stat. Mm-hmm. Please. 50%, 50% of the particulate sort of fossil fuel emissions is from ocean-going liners. Whether really? It's with 50% of the little pieces of crap that go into the air is from the shit that they have to burn to transport your cars and your people. So... Continue, because these things are dirty as piss. Today, when I was on my 45-minute walk around the neighborhood, half of the thousand pieces of crap that I inhaled were from those dirty ships. Mm -hmm. Half Mm -hmm. of them. Fully half. Unbelievable. Well, this story raises my spirits even Mm. higher. And so, it turns out that the, the Swedes are putting, and the Norwegians, the people who do a lot of shipping. Yeah, it's good. Produced. Yeah, I will do Norwegian yeah. now. Yeah, please, it's good. Please, every time, every time. Oh, that's German, sorry. Come oh, on, continue on. God, terrible. <laughs> Ocean Bird is a boat. It's a ginormous boat. It is uh, 200 meters long. For you stupid Americans, it's 656 Hey, feet. we are oh, in the room. Hello. Hey, we're, we're American. We're not stupid. Actually, so 200 continue. meters long, right? Uh, that's like two football fields. And 40 meters draft from side to side, 131 feet. It's giant. It will be the most giant sailboat ever produced. And it will carry seven 
thousand vehicles. I put a picture in the notes. It's wonderful. It has five. So get this. It looks super space age. It's very aerodynamic. And it has these five giant sails. They're like these wing sails that you see on the more recent like America's Cup racing ships. It, they don't use like fabric. These things are made out of like composites. And the sails have four segments so they can squish down. They can lower down for when there's too much wind or they have to go under a bridge or they're getting close to port so that the ship stays, uh, you know, is more able not to tip so much. And um, this ship will be able to save up to 90% of the fuel that would be expended to go across the Atlantic. So, uh, it's being designed to go from Europe to the United States and back. So you said nine, nine, nine percent. That's a good, that's good. Ninety. Nine zero. Ninety. Oh, wait a second. You didn't say nine percent. You said like all of the percent, like almost every, what? Ninety percent, Robert, what? That's amazing. I know it. The, the downside is that the ship will take longer, usually to bring a bunch of Land Rovers, and uh, and Mercedes over from Europe, it takes eight days, but it will take 12 days with this ship, which they said will impact finances some, but hopefully whoever's making decisions when it comes to finances will consider the well-being of their grandchildren. And um, yeah, what else? 90%? I, think I mean, uh, this is like one of those things that is a little bit too good to believe. So these, yeah. these sales... Well, they say up to 90%, so... That's, um, that is stunning. Yeah, ocean-going craft like this, these huge things, uh, they're just so filthy, and yet you mm -hmm. can't really, at this stage, put like batteries in there. It's just not going to work. Um, so let's use the wind. I'm excited about this. I kind of yeah, want to so they didn't hop on talk. my Mercedes and go across the Atlantic. But this is so this is they only talk for about. cars, not for regular cargo from the way it looks like it's designed cuz that's yeah, what it's saying. One, it's one Yeah, it's one purpose-built ship for moving cars. Okay. And maybe that's because the company that's building it has like that kind of a contract. But this can certainly be used for other materials. There's no, you know, you can float Crude all oil. kinds of things. Crude oil? I mean, the problem is that oil? if you look at the ship, haha, <laughs> if you look at the ship, it will not like uh, work for the containers that get loaded from the top down, right? Currently, all container ships are basically like one big flat plate mm -hmm. onto which you load stacks of those 40 uh, foot long containers. Stacks on stacks. And this will not work because you've got, number one, all of these giant sails that have to kind of pitch from side to side. So this will uh, probably not work as well for containers. Although, you know, somebody could come up with another way to load containers on it, like stack them up and then slide them down a rail down into the ship. But it's... Yeah, that's cool. They'll figure it. You know, there's some more engineers that need to work them. They'll figure it out. I mean, it's just, it's version one, man. They'll they get another version of that bad boy going. Maybe it can... Yeah, they actually... Maybe it can tow some of those other barges, right? Just use the power of it to just tow the other ships around. And Yeah, maybe so. And so they built like a 21 or 23 foot long 
mock-up of this ship, and they've been testing it out in the open ocean. And it sounds like they're they're really moving uh, towards building this bad boy. I want to get on that thing. Exciting. That sounds like fun, man. I bet that'd be pretty, yeah, pretty bitching thing to go on. You guys want to you want to you want to talk about space? There's a lot of good things happening in space. Roberts. No, I want to talk about superchargers. You do. You don't want to talk about space. You want to talk about superchargers. Okay, Robert. Well, Mel wants to yeah. talk about superchargers. He doesn't care about space. He doesn't care about being part of an interplanetary species. He doesn't care. All right. How many? I'm about to enter how many new superchargers there are. But first, mm-hmm. it's guessing time. Oh. We last did our show on September 21st, I mm-hmm. believe it was. Battery day. So from the 22nd, mm-hmm. battery day. From the 22nd to the 5th of October, that's today, how many new superchargers in that two-week period? Open? Open. 12. 21. Mel, you are the man. 11 new open superchargers. And get this. There's one in Simi Valley, which is here in the Los Angeles area. There's been no superchargers in Simi Valley whatsoever. I've driven by there, I don't know, 70 times in the last four years. And it's 12 250 kilowatt chargers. 12 counted. We like that. They just just went live uh, within this last 11 days. There's a supercharger that went live in Hawthorne. Another one. 16 stalls. What? 250 kilowatts. Is it near the uh, SpaceX? It is. Shocker. Another one in Sacramento. Since we're, you know, we're California-centric. I don't know where everybody... Do we get a report from our listenership, like where they are? They're all over the world. from where uh, we are. They're from Woodland Hills. Ah, okay. Everybody's from Woodland Hills. Nice. That's not true. But the most exciting Mm -hmm. of all... The new superchargers mm-hmm. that I found is in Fort William. Uh, Fort William? F. Bill? Fort F-Bill. William, which it says here UK, which is true. But when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute. I've been to Fort William. Fort William is a most charming town in Scotland. Uh, yes. Wait a second here, oh, lad. Let me see for a second you here. Had to, you I, had to. It's like his third I, accent today. It's look, so bad. I've been doing a lot of accents, but I gotta tell you, by far my favorite accent <laughs> is the Scottish accent. So tell me where Fort William is, because I like to go to Scotland. I've been there many times. I left my heart in San Francisco and my testicles <laughs> in Fort William. Where is it? <laughs> It is right at the foot of Ben Nevis. Oh, Ben Nevis. I like Ben Nevis. He's a big drinker, though. Oh, he likes to put it down. Let me tell you. Ben, you got to back off. Where is Ben Nevis? Ben Nevis is the highest mountain in Scotland. And it is quite a formidable climb because up there, the wind and the weather can change quite quickly and kill your ass. As you're trying to climb Ben Why the hell did they put uh, a supercharger on the top of a hill? Yeah, you would think. But it's not. It's down in a shopping center. Huh. And uh, if you ever do get to Fort William, which is on your way from Edinburgh to the Isle of Skye. Edinburgh. Yeah. And the Isle of Skye. Isle of Skye. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Mm -hmm. And there's so much scotch between the two of them. It's great. There's actually a distillery on the Isle of Skye. Oh, really? Because in Scotland, there's a freaking distillery every three (laughs) minutes. Can't swing a dead cat in Scotland without hitting a distillery or six. Yeah, I spent uh, I spent a couple of trips in uh, a couple of times. I've been to the Lime Tree, a uh, a restaurant and sort of like bed and breakfast. Lovely, lovely, lovely place. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's along uh, what is the lock here? It's it's not too far from Loch Ness. It's kind of south of there. It's on uh, Loch Isle, E I L. Wonderful place. So I was so excited to see that supercharger go in. And, uh, you know, I know you're going to ask me how many chargers are in the supercharger there. And it's six of the 250 stalls. And just north of it, another one opened in Inverness. Inverness. Yes. Lovely. So now I want to take my Tesla to Scotland Although I don't think the plugs are the same. Yeah, they're different. You know, I what I really want to do, I'll, I'll, let's put the Scottish accent away for a second. But I love uh, the British Isles. I love Scotland. I love England. I love Wales. I do. I do love it so much. And uh, I do want to take a <laughs> Tesla and drive around the whole place and I'd play, play some uh, golf and, and then... Go on a walking tour and everything. I th- I love it. It's great because now they're so they have got so much renewable energy. Because you know, instead of like digging up their oil from the we- the North Sea, they're using the wind energy from the North Sea, and I'm really excited about it. One thing, though, that disappointed me somewhat is that the Inverness supercharger is right next to Domino's Pizza. I like Domino's Pizza. Stop <laughs> it. Can you get like classic <laughs> Scottish toppings on Domino's? Like, what do you think is the classic Scottish haggis. topping? Why do we have, yeah, like, it doesn't have to William just Wallace be haggis. Or haggis and William Wallace. <laughs> I'd like some William Wallace on me haggis. And put it on me. No. Oh, you guys are so terrible. Oh. Oh. I'm glad we're not trying to make money or have sponsors to this show. I'd like some cause... potato on my haggis that's on my <laughs> William Wallace that's on my pizza. Haggis is great. I really loved it. And it went down really well with the good ale that I was drinking. Haggis is absolutely disgusting and I want you to stuff it right now. No, I like it. But I'm on a keto diet. So, you know, meat, meat, meat. Next comes... Under construction superchargers, we've got 14, and then we have 10 that have entered the permit stage, which includes another Pasadena supercharger. Uh, We're moving along. It's not the best two weeks for superchargers, but 11 is right about the middle. You know, we love those weeks when we get up to 20, but it looks to me like Tesla's not slowing down on the supercharger front, and Lord knows we need our superchargers for all of us old legacy car drivers who don't have the 4680 cells. 
Yeah, uh, if you could give us 4680 cells and 600 miles range, we would need less superchargers, I'm just saying. They'll give them to you. You just have to buy a new car in two years when they've actually figured out how to make them. What's it going to take to get you into $140,000 4680 right now? Uh, Well, it's going to take about $150,000. Yeah, I mean, they're going to eventually put those in the Model Y, but in the Model 3, but it'll be a bit. It'll be a minute, as they say. Well, it's How about this, SpaceX? Let's talk a bit about, about SpaceX and get this thing done because oh, we've been Lord, doing this finally. crap for hours. I'd like to go back and do a bit of Scottish accent, but eh, I think people are done with it. Yeah, the people, well, how do you the say, people in this conversation how do you say, are done with it. How do you say delayed in Scottish? Walking a long time. Yeah. Well, we've been on a lot of delays, right? There's been a lot of a lot of launches that have been put back, aborted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And tomorrow morning, at like five something California time, mm-hmm. we're hopefully going to get the fourth or is it the fifth attempt to send up another packet, another tranche of SpaceX Starlink satellites. Five a.m. or five p.m. Eastern or Western? Western. 5 a.m. Western. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm just pulling it up on my phone. It's like at 5.32. Seven. I'm going to have to. I have targeting. I have them targeting Tuesday, October 6th, 7.29 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, which would translate to 4.29. Even earlier. 4.29 on the Pacific West Coast of the United States of the Americas. Yeah, 4.29 a.m. Pacific Time. You know who will be up to watch that? That would probably be you. Not Not me. Not you. Not you. No. Not Mel. The 12th Starlink... You know, no, no, um, still be hung I, I don't think I can get up at that hour. But it will be exciting. And I don't know if this is the case, but there is a new drone ship that has been created, added to the SpaceX fleet to catch. Have you seen a picture? I of haven't it? seen a picture of it. No, but I believe it looks very similar to the other drone ships. I could be wrong about that, but it has a name called a shortfall of gravitas, which is from. One Ian M. Banks, who wrote a bunch of science fiction books. Mr. Banks was born on February 16th in 1954, and he passed away on June 9th of 2013, so it's been a while. And I pulled... And guess where he's from? Guess where he's oh, from? Please, Robert, are you kidding? Like, you're killing me here. He's Mel. from Scotland? <laughs> you're God's yes! sake, he's from yes! Scotland. Oh, he yes! was a big drinker. He was a good man. You could meet him at the pub. You could talk about all kinds of philosophical things, and then you'd have a couple more beers, and then you'd probably urinate on yourself, Joel. and then you'd go home to the wife. Hey, uh, Joel, it's great. Joel, are are you out there listening, bud? So if you you got a new mic, Joel, um, I'm good. I'm good, bro. Me and you, we'll make this happen. It'll be, it'll be good. It'll be fine. We'll leave these two gentle, gentlemen to their own devices. <laughs> That's like the this show might as I well be called Talking Tesla 183. <laughs> the inside joke is what we should call this one. Did oh, I need to be into Robert's really loving this one? But so, Mr. Banks, such a tie together. I pulled, I pulled a famous quote from Mr. Banks, and he said, "You could sum up the history of the universe in three words: bang, tss, and 
crunch. <laughs> that's the universe. <laughs> I'd say that's almost like two words. Well, I mean, it's a there's two words and a and a and a sound. But anyway, so he wrote famous sci-fi novel series Culture, I guess, and this is the third ship built to catch the pricey bits that SpaceX is thrusting off of our planet. And it makes sense as they increase the frequency of these launches that they would need to have more catchy bits to catch their pricey bits as they throw them around the, the universe. I have a question for yeah, you, Yeah, buddy. Sure. So it's a drone ship. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. Which means that it's piloted by a drone, right? It, well, it is a drone. It's piloted oh, it by is. itself as a drone. It's, it's an autopilot vehicle. So they send this thing hundreds of miles off the coast uh-huh. with nobody on board. I don't know that they, well, I mean, I think that's probably true. And then they probably have ships around it where then once the ship, once the, the rockety thing lands on the middle of it, somebody has to go out there and jam like big nails in the feet to keep it from like going back and forth in case the seas are too high. Cause it could still, you know, I- tip over potentially. You know, there's like, there's stuff kind of on either end of the drone ship, uh-huh. like little piles of things. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if they have like a couple of fishing poles and barbecues because like right tomorrow morning, the Starlink, it's just like the fourth or fifth attempt. How many days has this thing with the guys on the ships nearby been out there waiting i don't know for this stuff to happen i don't know if they wait they got, i don't know if they sit out there and wait they might they might just be kicking it back they might just go back in for the day instead of like i mean do they have their chaisanges out there and their tiki uh tiki uh what i mean they're umbrellas you know, they're, and, they're working robert like they got jobs like this is their like they're not on vacation. their job is to sit around and wait they're not on vacation i mean they probably have safety checks they have to do they probably have to hmm. check GPS coordinates quite regularly. Yeah. Make sure the Barnacles. gyroscopes and the thrusters are working properly. Make oh yeah, a lot of thrust. Make and sure I that the is there some fishing going on? There might be some fishing going on. It's I would hope possibly. so. This is what I want to see. Well, show me, show me. I want to see what's going on. Right. Well, when these guys are so, just hanging. All right, out. if you're if you're listening to this show. I don't know why you're listening to this show. It's been because an hour and, and 56 minutes. If you're listening to the show and you happen to work for SpaceX and your job at SpaceX happens to involve you either on a drone ship or on a ship that helps a drone ship, give us an email, send us a, shoot us a, a message in any way, shape or form. Yes. If it's not an email, we likely won't get it. We may not even get it if it is an email, to be completely honest with you. But we'd like to know... What is it that you do out there all day long? Are you, like Robert said, drinking Mai Tais and hanging out on chaise lounges? Or are you doing what I think you're doing, which is important scientific work 24-7 to make sure that all the systems are in tip-top shape in which to catch very expensive Raptor-type engines? You know, it's really cool about this third drone ship no is that when they use falcon heavy Mm -hmm. and they really want to lift something heavy Mm -hmm. they can now land all three of the rocket cores down on the ocean what are you talking about this thing is big enough for three of them no it's the the third ship mel you really should pay attention to the number so there's three ships 
three boats, three drone ships, three landing platforms in the water, and the Falcon Heavy has three stage ones, for lack of a better thing to call them, because that's what they call them. So before the three stage ones, one or two of them would have to land on the land, and the other one could land on a drone ship, or two drone ships, two or one or whatever. But now, three ships three stage ones you can catch all three of them in the ocean now what that does allow you to do is have a little bit heavier payloads while still being able to capture all of those stage ones because sometimes they can't capture them uh be, be because they're too far out to see you know because of the the thrusting involved in in the weight of the thing it was the big old the big the big space force satellite they had to they couldn't catch i like my idea better that it's big enough to carry all three that would be cool on yeah. a barge. No, your ideas, giant barge. Your ideas are always My good. My idea is better. I think your idea would have been idea. much better in some sort of idiotic foreign accent. Um, what I just, accent uh, would you like? <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> now, I just scrolled down to the bottom of this Tech Times article yeah. that you're pulling from, mm-hmm. and I realize here that Tim uh, Dodd, the everyday astronaut, already asked or said that. To Elon, so I feel kind of less smart. You felt, he said, you felt what? What, what yeah, are they doing? He said, "Will it be used? Will it be used with the others simultaneously for a three-core drone ship landing for a Falcon Heavy?" Oh, oh well, just goes to show you that Tim's a great minds think alike. A step no, of the he way. He's not ahead of you. He's he's even with you, Robert. He didn't know that Tim asked that. You didn't plagiarize the question. You asked the question with the exact same amount of knowledge in which he asked that question. So. Don't give yourself a break, buddy. You're a doctor. You're a lifesaver. You're a frontliner. You're all those things. And you can sometimes even record your audio for the show. So that's pretty awesome. And, but I'm and we're pretty we're pretty stoked about it. So now there's also some other interesting things happening in space in the next little bit. In On October 20th, the OSIRIS-REx is going to touch an asteroid. And I wanted to ask you guys this question. So a few years ago, we sent this thing up, and it's going to land, or or not land, but it's going to get real, real close to an asteroid. And it's going to scrape a little bit of that asteroid, and it's going to bring a sample of that asteroid back to Earth. Uh, That's cool. Are we okay with that? We have no idea what's on these it's asteroids. It's the beginning of a horror movie. <laughs> So that's cool. So that's going to happen on October 20th, and then we'll know whether or not it's successful. And then on October... You know who's going to be excited about no, that? No, I have no well, idea. No idea. Who? When I think about you, I touch the asteroid. I touch the asteroid. <laughs> wow. No? Nothing? I think next, okay. next Elon, level. Next level. Elon will be very excited because mm-hmm. you know what asteroids have a lot of? Cobalt. Nickel. 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 Yeah, you think they're almost they're they're highly concentrated nickel. Yeah. And if you can grab that asteroid mm-hmm. by the by the by the stroid by the nickel asteroid by the stroid <laughs> if you can grab that asteroid by the stroid and haul it back into our orbit uh-huh. without crashing it uh-huh. into our planet yeah, without that then you can chip that nickel uh-huh. off and have enough nickel to make uh, F ton of batteries. Yeah, that's a lot of. That's probably, and you could just park it right there in Fremont. Just put it right in the lot. And just like there's a great TED talk on that. There's a great TED talk on like if you could grab an asteroid, bring it into Earth's orbit, and mine it, you'd be. And this is a very stoic 
scientist, he'd be like, you'd be rich. (laughs) (laughs) It would be. You would be very rich. Although you'd be sending a lot of missions up there to get the cargo back from the asteroid or whatever. I feel like there's some logistical challenges with getting things from the upper atmosphere. Like the only stuff we kind of bring back from the space station is typically like poop. Thing. Yeah, we bring back a lot of stool. <laughs> what have you got for us? Nickel? Do you have nickel? Do you have cobalt? Do you have lithium? Oh, no, we've got poopy. Poop. We've got some poopy for you. There used to be, somebody told me this recently, there used to be a lot of like little yellow ice clouds in space because they would just pee right out the right outside and like they released the urine and it would just instantly freeze and turn into like these lovely crystalline yellow clouds they don't do that anymore because it's gross <laughs> apparently i would know yeah the, <laughs> the martians were totally pissed like we're up here <laughs> floating around they were, and then your piss is all up in our head they were like, they were you pissed. need to stop that and then on halloween from beautiful launchpad 39a SpaceX Crew-1 will be taking off. SpaceX Crew-1, Mel, that is the first non-test mission of of sending meat bags into space. Four (laughs) astronauts, Shannon Walker, Victor Glover, Mike Hopkins, and uh, Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency astronaut Soichi Naguchi is going to be pumped into space on the spacecraft Resilience which they have named these astronauts to highlight the dedication of the teams involved in this mission. And they're going to be up there for a really long time. They're going to be doing all kinds of science. They're going to be growing the radish eye while they're up there. It's going to be the most people that's ever been on the space station. It's a record number of folks. It'll be seven people on the space station. And they're bringing with them, and this is the most important thing to you, Mel, because you are a seven-year-old child, they're bringing a new toilet, a new space toilet. It's headed to the space station to improve on what they refer to in this article as current space toilet operations. (laughs) Because apparently you don't want your poopy flying around while you're poopying. (laughs) You know, it it turns out that the current space toilet is kind of (laughs) shitty. So good. All right. So that's space. That's the show. We got some media picks. We may have some letters, but we're probably not going to read any of them. We probably had some people message us via Twitter, but we're probably not going to read any of those. It's Robert's Code, which is Laney9300 for the entire month of October. <laughs> it's Robert's Code. I don't know why he chooses that code, but it is that, that is Robert's Code. No, Robert's Code is Robert3177. Mel still doesn't have have a code and yet he wonders why he doesn't have any referrals this is why you don't have a code any hoobers media picks melvis we're going to start with mm. you because it's probably some linguistic audio book you've been listening to about accents well i'm going to give you two because that's how i roll first of all the boys the and i've i've, I've talked about both every of these week before. it's the boys it's the boys so the boys season two is outstanding. So just imagine for a second if Superman and Wonder Woman actually existed, how psychotic they would be, and the boys imagines it for you, and it is tremendous. Do not watch it amongst small children. It's on Amazon Prime. And then I'm listening again 
to the great influenza by John Barry. The great influenza, which is about the influenza pandemic of 1918. I listened to it just a few months ago and I felt the need to listen to it again because all of the mistakes we made a hundred years ago, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing it again. So the great influenza by John Barry, Herbert out. It's a great book. I read it, almost all of it, but it, like it's like a history of medicine. Goes back to, you know, the Johns Hopkins and... That's the book you're talking about? Yeah, it, it's, it's too much more than books. just influence. Yeah, it's about the history of John Hopkins, about medicine, right. about science. It's much more than what it appears to be, but uh, it is, it's big. You got to, I think, uh, listen to it a couple of times. Well, when it comes to media picks, I have to say I'm, I'm really feeling depressed. Oh, goody. Depressed. Because the book that I was listening to through the Libby app, had to go back. And I can't get it back for like another week. And I'm having a conniption fit, withdrawals. I just want to hear the rest of the story. This has to be one of the best books of the year that I have read. And I'm not holding back. This book is fantastic. It's history. It's biography. It's crime. It's relatable it's it's such a good book and it's called devil in the grove and it turns out it too is a winner of the pulitzer prize it's by gilbert king who's a reporter the book is from i think 2013 devil in the grove and it's essentially you wouldn't know it looking at the at the cover but it turns out it's like a biography of Thurgood Marshall, who's an amazing individual, working with amazing people, doing amazing things. And this book is fantastic. It like ropes you in, keeps you like reading, keeps you picking it up. Keep, and, and then um, my, my loan expired and now I'm just pissed. So well, I'm waiting to get it back to finish it. Let me tell you that I'm an Audible subscriber. I get a lot of books on Audible. Yeah. And I just completed the purchase. Devil in the Grove is now what I'm going to do next. If it's anything less than spectacular, gonna I'm going to be upset. I was also watching a show on HBO. Oh. I expect you, Tom, might have picked up on this since you're kind of a trendy dude. It's called Lovecraft Country. Mm, I've been recommended this, but I have not seen it. I heard it's wonderful yeah. H.P. Lovecraft sort of themed situation. Yeah, it's like 1950s uh, horror, sci-fi. It too is very good. And also, um, you know, it, it has definitely a point to make. Many points, in fact. But it's really well written. And... Uh, I just watched last night, I think it was the eighth of 10 episodes. It's almost over. You know, HBO does like the old fashioned thing. They don't dump the whole series at once so you can just rat rush through it. You have to wait every Sunday night. They put out a new one. But at this point, you can probably uh, pretty much, you know, just binge on it because it's going to be over in two weeks. I do like to binge. I do. I also yeah. hear that's fantastic. Devil in the Grove, by the way, is already downloaded, so I'm going to start. Excellent. He's already listened to it Excellent. twice in two different accents. Yeah, well, he puts it on like 17X. Yeah. 
speed. <laughs> Which, you know, that's that's beyond us meat bags. Now, I have a podcast that I may or may not have mentioned before, but they put out a bonus episode, so I'm going to bring it in again. It's called California City. Basically, it's about sort of buying land in the Mojave Desert just outside of Los Angeles. A lot of interesting things going on. There's all these cities that have sort of sprouted out over the years in the deserts of, of California with people being like, I want to live in the desert forever. And most of them don't be, do not become successful over the long term. California City is one such one of these stories. It's a nine-part series. Emily Guerin is the podcast host. It's an LAist podcast. Very, very good. I highly recommend it if you're interested in sort of the weird side of the desert and people who take advantage of other folks in like pyramid scheme type situations um and then a tv show which i have mentioned on this program but like uh like robert said it only comes out every once in a while the last episode of ted lasso on apple tv was released and it is it never it never ceased to every episode give me a heartwarming message and in this time these trying difficult times in all kinds of different ways a show with a positive message, with a with a hopefulness to it, I cannot possibly recommend it anymore. Ted Lasso, da- uh, David Sudeikis, Jason Sudeikis, I can't remember his name, the lead uh, actor on it. Just a wonderful show, well-written, well-acted, a good story. Do yourselves a favor. It's about soccer in England, but it's about humanity more than anything. Tom, I'm going to have to... Uh, I hate this. I hate this. Yeah. Ted Such Lasso, a strong word. Ted Lasso is so good. It's uh-huh. so hopeful. Yeah. It's this ridiculous thing where there's like this American basketball player who goes to England. Football coach, but soccer. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, well, you know, get that. <laughs> it's, the point is there's this American dude who has nothing to do with English soccer, uh-huh. and he's going to go uh, coach the team. Yeah. But he's such a hopeful guy. Oh, my gosh. Ted Lasso, do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor and download it and watch it. It's Tom, I, have. I do not like to agree with you. <laughs> it is wonderful. I have literally teared up multiple times at the end of multiple episodes of the Ted Lasso show. And every Friday evening... When, when episodes were being released, I would look to myself and I would say, oh, there's a new episode of Ted Lasso. I'm so excited. And I don't have that for a while. But there is a season in the works, another season. If so. you want to hate humanity and be depressed, watch the boys. If you want to love humanity mm-hmm. and be uplifted, Ted Lasso. You decide. You decide. <laughs> what, what, uh, what, who... Puts Ted Lasso Apple out. Plus. Where would I watch Apple it? Plus. Apple, Apple TV Plus. Plus. Yes. If you have bought any Apple device in the last 12 months, you get Apple TV for free as part of that. And they are about, and I, this is a, this is a, there's no money involved in this. They announced their Apple One bundle that is going to be coming out in the fall that's going to include Apple Music, Apple Cloud, Apple News, Apple Fitness, Apple Arcade, and Apple Plus TV for the low, low price of $29 a month. That is a lot of content, you know, for a 
a very good price. I mean, they're basically giving you like two of those services for free in that situation and including 200 gigabytes of storage. So again, we're not shills for Apple. I don't make any money off Apple, but if you are using Apple Music and you watch Apple TV and you maybe want to watch Apple News, which has thousands of magazines, like it's a pretty good deal they're coming up with over there. And yeah, so well, that between was the two thousand dollars a month was that what it was twenty nine ninety nine a <laughs> month. That was twenty nine ninety nine. Well, between the three of us, we have spent enough money with Apple products. Yes. Yeah, they're a, a two trillion dollar company. I'm like, how can that be? Because I'm pretty sure in the last ten years, I've spent two trillion dollars <laughs> on Apple products. They are. I've gotten most of my Apple uh, money back. Thank you, stock market. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, well, people have. Should uh, we tell everybody to leave us a review on iTunes? We should, yes, since we're talking about yes. Apple. Yeah, this show. Right, leave us a leave us a review. Notice, subscribe. Notice how this show's never one of our media picks. <laughs> oh, this show's crap. Do you want to give out your uh, give out your filthy little thing where you get kickbacks? What are your filthy things? Is it is it my month? Is it really? Yeah, I think you're, it is October. You're, you're yeah, October. Robert Tesla. Go to the Tesla, go buy your Tesla, mm-hmm. go get your Powerwall, mm-hmm. go get your Tesla Solar. Mm-hmm. But always, always, today and forever, use Robert 3177 mm-hmm. so that uh, actually one of the guys, the most recent um, mm-hmm. uh, person to use my code was in England and got a Model 3 and sent me an email or maybe it was a direct message on Twitter. I think I threw it into a previous week's show notes, but I didn't uh, acknowledge him. But it was very exciting to see him and his excitement. And his name is Stephen. And he took delivery on 921. And he's loving it. Mm -hmm. So join Stephen. Yeah. Put my referral number down. Yeah. And and thank you to all the people who support us on Patreon. I don't know if we ever give you anything. But... You have well-being knowing yeah. that you are helping we, to support the creation of this wonderful show. And I had uh, Andreas, Sean, and Matthew all took delivery. Andreas and Sean on 921 and Matthew on 923 took delivery of their vehicles what? using my code. So we had three people take delivery on 921 alone between me and you, Robert. Wow. That's pretty Why good. Why do no. I get nothing? <laughs> because get nothing. you don't even know what your promo, your promo code isn't even in this doc. It's not even here. You, you. My promo code is nine one three six. I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea what it is. You have to open I've your app. I've never heard it. You have to open your app and push That's push fine. the little That's linky fine. thing. And you look, it's fine. I'm a giver. Get... You guys can have all the codes, but I'll have all the love because I'm clearly the best at this. I'm just saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is that I've got some and the accents that everybody loves me, but you get the codes. Yeah, really? Be sure to support your local Tesla club. Search them out. Go to tesla.com forward slash support forward slash owners club. You cannot still be listening to this show. There's no way. If you are still listening to this show, why? Just just send us a tweet and tell us why you're still listening at the moment. We have ended the show 20 minutes ago. We keep talking about all this nonsense and you're still listening. If... Even Joel Sapp is no longer listening to this show. I, There's no I told way. you, it's because they're stuck on a drone ship out in the Atlantic <laughs> waiting for the fifth no. scrubbed launch, relaunch. Yeah. 
Even Elijah what? Jane is not listening to the show, and she is mastering it. She's done. Oh. It's over. Everybody's done. We're done. Hey, see you, boys. It's been fun. Bye. 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 Bye.